you are now tuned into Virtually I'm Possible presents Lazy Learning Land Podcast, where we teach teachers how to be lazier, yet more effective, to increase student performance, but decrease teacher burnout and stress. I'm Dot, your hostess that always gives you the mostest while doing the least, aka the queen of working and not working with over 15 years experience working in the hood schools and still I thrive. Today's episode is sponsored by virtuallyimpossible.net, no apostrophe, where educators can enter the lazical world of lazy learning land. There, they can find tips on how to be a lazier yet more effective teacher and also get their hands on some amazing amazing lazy learning math tools for the secondary level. These tools allow students to be 100% engaged while the teacher sits back and facilitates. Now for today's episode. Hey, 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 everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Today, we're going to get into lazy learning law number three which is teach your students to fish, not just give them a fish. Teach your students to fish is clearly a spinoff of a classic quote. If you teach, sorry, philosophical voice incoming. If you teach a man to fish, he can eat forever. If you give a man a fish, he will soon die. Now, you you got me a little bit because I may have kind of messed up on the word for word aspects of that particular quote. But, you know, you guys can get the gist of where I was going with it. So just give me a few moments to kind of bring that quote into the realm of education. If you actually teach your students how to think, then they will be able to thrive. If you tell your students the answer, they will bother you forever. (laughs) Well, okay, not essentially forever, just the duration of the rest of the current school year, to be exact. They will always have this urge to bother you for help with every single problem they have to solve or every you know, question that they feel like they just don't know the answer at the snap of their fingers. And if they have any type of anxiety over the question or the problem, they are literally going to jump in your lap and ask for help every single time. Let's just kind of put this in layman's terms and a little bit of a translation. You will never get a moment of peace because you would have Hundreds of raised hands from hundreds of needy students all throughout your day. Uh, You're just, you have this culture of these needy, anti-independent teenagers. I like to use this concept of teacher students to fish when it comes to helping them self-advocate. It also comes in handy when you need to teach them how to properly give assistance to other students. So usually in the classroom, there's the kid that needs the help. And then there's always the kid that is able to give that help. But you want 
both students to be able to properly be in their role. See, the number one question that I always hear my students ask in my classroom, and yes, you know, I am a math teacher, so this may vary slightly for you guys if you teach a different content area. But the number one question my students ask each other when they need help is, you know how to do this? And I, I swear, it's like clockwork. Even my highest performing students will give this same knee-jerk reaction. They're, it doesn't matter who they ask that question to. You're going to get the same answer. And that knee-jerk answer that I always hear that comes like 0.2 seconds after is no. Like literally. So a kid says, you know how to do this? And the other kid be like, nope. And the crazy part about it to me is I have literally seen and heard students say, no, they don't know how to do this but they actually have the correct answer and correct work on their paper. But just for some psychological reason, like somebody needs to do research on this because I am pretty freaking sure that there is some psychological, psychology, sociology reason behind when a person gets asked the question, you know how to do this, that the immediate response is no. So you may be wondering, how do you teach your students to ask for help properly? Well, I will definitely say you need to give them some question stems to help them start in the right direction. No one has ever really sat down and and taught these kids how to advocate for themselves. So it's going to be a foreign concept. You can't say, oh, you didn't ask for help right. And then just leave them for the wolves. Like you're going to have to give them a little bit more in order for them to be able to kind of step into that realm. So in my classroom, directly above my smart board, I have a hello, I need help section. And up there, I finally got them laminated at some point, but up there are several questions, question stems I have stapled. Um, I typed them up in PowerPoint, printed them out, you know, threw them, um, glued them to some construction paper, you know, just to make them stand out a little bit more. And I always direct my students to those question stems whenever they need to ask for help. Like, uh, especially if I catch them asking for help inappropriately, I will say, hey, you know what? Uh, There's a better way to ask for help that may get you the results that you're looking for. Look right above the board and try to see which one of these question stems goes with the kind of help you're trying to get. And see if you can ask those same people you already asked for help for help again, but use that question stem. And literally 100% of the time, they are able to get better help from their peers when they use one of those question stems. I do have a free copy of my question stems posted for you guys to, you know, take and use in your classrooms on virtuallyimpossible.net. Just go to the store. It's one of my freebies. And you can also read my post on replace. You know how to do this with these more effective questions post that can just dive a little bit deeper into getting your students to utilize those question stems. I wanted to give you guys some examples of those question stems that I use to teach my students how to fish. 
they teach the students to fish um, because it teaches them to think. And um, you can take what applies to your particular content area and leave what doesn't. Or feel free to modify any of these questions to better suit your content area. Again, I am a math teacher, so... Some of these question stems really do go more towards solving a problem, but it's okay. It's okay. Like I said, use what you want and lose what you don't. So some of the question stems that I have posted for my students are, can you help me with the first step? Can we work together to solve this? Can you help me to understand what I do next? I don't, sorry, I did not get what you have. Can you help me understand what you did instead? I get everything up to this point, but can you help me with the rest? What does blank mean? I have this example on my notes. Can you help me to use this example on my new problem? Could you help me to understand where I went wrong? And I'm sure that as I was going through those, you probably could think of several more that I didn't think of, but I tend to post those. And, you know, the those are the basics and it seems to work pretty well in my room. So I just wanted to pass those along to you. So remember, you can visit virtuallyimpossible.net, go to my store, and there you can find the freebie on the question stems that you can modify and go from there. So, you know, these question stems is a way for the struggling students to get help without having to feel like they're dumb. And I say dumb in quotations because that's something they project on themselves, not saying that you or their peers call them dumb. But sometimes we self-sabotage and we break ourselves down before anybody else can. But when it comes to the higher performing students, they will usually be the ones that are doing most of the helping in your classroom, especially if you've tuned into some of my other posts. And when I talk about, you know, doing things like getting philosophers, getting wizards so that you have students that can help your other students so that it kind of lightens your load, then you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But you will have to train these philosophers and these wizards and these higher performing students on how to help their classmates learn to fish also. And I say this because I have witnessed and I always see it at the beginning of the year before I've started my training. Uh, And I, I do see it a lot less as we go through the year. But I do have to constantly check for it. But those higher performing students, when somebody asks them for help, usually their way of giving help is to allow them to just copy their paper or they'll say, write this, write this, write that, turn this into a one. And now you got your answer. And they just literally tell them step-by-step how to do the problem, but they didn't actually help the student think through the problem. So the kid that got the help has the right work, has the right answer, but couldn't tell you heads or tails of how to do it, or they wouldn't be able to apply that same process to the next question because they didn't actually learn anything. As I like to say, they were more of a robot. They were more of a parrot type thing. They didn't actually think through it for themselves. Also, when it comes down to my students who are helping others, not the ones that are working together to figure it out, but the ones that are actually helping a, a kid that doesn't get get it for real, um, 
they are usually the ones that have a good handle on how to complete the problem. And I make sure that I give them specific instructions on how to assist others. I literally inform them that they have now stepped into the role of what I call a philosopher. So what is a philosopher? Well, a philosopher is a student. Well, let's just keep it in real world terms first. A philosopher is exactly what it sounds like. They're very similar to real philosophers. Like we know Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, so on and so forth. But these philosophers in general ask a lot of questions. So when my students are helping to explain to other students, they are only allowed to ask that student questions. They cannot tell them anything outright. They must ask the struggling student questions to guide them, to tell the philosopher what the philosopher knows is the correct response, correct answer, correct step, so on and so forth. So basically the philosopher is in a way, if you checked out what my pre, well, if you checked out one of my other laws, when I say gaslight your students, the philosopher in a way is gaslighting their classmate by answering their questions with questions to get them to think through it. But I didn't want to use the term gaslight with the students. So these students are philosophers. <laughs> I didn't want to imprint that negative context of gaslighting into kids' brains. Didn't want to introduce that. They'll get it enough as adults. So yeah, I chose to call them philosophers, but it's kind of the same concept uh, when I spoke about gaslighting your students by answering their questions with questions. The bottom line is the philosopher is just not allowed to directly tell the struggling student anything. They have to guide the struggling student by using multiple questions to get that student on the right track. And what this really does is it stretches the brain of your higher performing students because they have to think outside of the box to still get to the same end result, which is helping their classmate get the right work and the right answer. It's really beneficial for both students because, again, as that philosopher is teaching another student how to fish, they are sharpening their own cognitive skills. For more insight on how to train your students to be philosophers, go ahead and check out my other post on how to train your students to be philosophers. Ow, ow. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this baby on up. We're going to bring it on home. Once your students can properly ask for help, they will start to feel more confident in going to their classmates. And this is a major help because their classmates can start to become their go-to for help instead of always making you, the teacher, the first line of defense. Also, when you teach your students to be well-versed in helping their classmates, then the overall level of independence of your whole classroom makeup will start to shift. The independence level of the culture of your class will increase. And as your students are able to think more independently and work more collaboratively independently, basically when I say independently, independent of you having to stand over them and hold their hand and baby them, 
that will ultimately just give you a chance to just breathe more. And again, every teacher needs some time to breathe. As your students learn to ask for help and learn to give help, you will start to hear certain types of conversations going on where a student may say, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, I do have a question, but I'm going to try to figure it out first for a few minutes. And if I don't get it, then I'll come ask, which always makes me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside because it's like, man, you know, they are in a place where they feel confident enough in their cognitive skills and their processing skills to at least try it themselves instead of having that you know, innate anxiety jump on their back the moment they see something that they don't know. And ultimately that's going to really take them far. After learning how to fish or think through a question, that student now has more tools and more confidence to try to tackle the next question or any question that you put in front of them, which is always a great mindset to have, especially because we're in this day and age of standardized testing. Wah, wah, wah. But if all of your students are fishing, then there is a tiny chance that anyone will actually starve in your classroom, figuratively speaking. All of which is great when you are trying to foster a growth mindset in your classroom culture. So it is definitely worth it to teach your students to fish and to help your students learn how to teach other students how to fish because it really is a long-term, lifelong skill you are fostering in the students that will take them very, very far. Just want to say thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Virtually I'm Possible Presents Lazy Learning Land. Comment below on how you think teaching your students to fish can really help to switch around your classroom dynamic. And if you already teach your students how to fish, then comment below on how wonderful it's working for you and encourage our other lazy learners to join in on the fun. Since there is strength in lazy, Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast, my blog on virtuallyimpossible.net, and our social media platforms, Pinterest and Instagram, so you can feel at home among other lazy learners. This is your girl, Estat, getting ready to sign off. As always, the queen of working and not working wants you to live long and lazy, and remember to never ever work too hard.